are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I love the text where we find ourselves uh, today, and I'm going to have to ask you to listen very carefully. My introduction is rather long and lengthy. My message is not as we look in this text in just a little bit. This is our 31st week of lockdown. During these Sunday mornings when I preached in that 3,000 seat auditorium to an empty crowd, and Sunday night, and out here in the parking lot, I've tried to weave a theme throughout all this of a lot of times singular words. Last word, last Sunday morning, be strong. The word strength. Last Sunday night, and work the word work. I've looked at words with you a few weeks ago. Trust. I can trust Jesus. You can trust Him. I think about the word I spoke on weeks ago, maybe months now, courage. And that Sunday night was boldness and faith and revival and opportunity. And the word Him, H-I-M, and joy. Today I have one word this morning to bring you in. One word tonight. I'd like to weave this together in the COVID time that when we get all through this COVID, we'll look back and say that God will use those individual words, whether it be revival or whether it be the word hope. Hope is the anticipation of good in the near future, whatever it might be. Today I bring you another singular word. America has always lived with hope with courage, with a conquering spirit, with determination. We always believed that, that greater days were right around the corner. But let me introduce you to a segment of America's history. The year was 1914. In 1914, July the 28th, we entered into World War I. It went from July 28th to November the 11th, 1918, for a little bit more than four years. We were in war, World War I. My grandfather was in that war. Four grueling years. Nine million soldiers died. Thirteen million civilians. And I want you to keep these stats and these dates in your mind. We begin in 1914 with a total of 22 million civilians worldwide, civilians and soldiers dying worldwide. During the last many months of World War I, something entered into the world in Spain. The king became very sick with a virus. That virus spread all over Spain in 1918. We were still in war. It was March the 4th to be exact. There was still about seven months of the war left. People were being slaughtered World War I and now the pandemic. It stayed out of America till it landed in New York. It's where it landed this time as well. And from New York it began to spread over the United States of America. 
We had 103 million people living in America at that time. Now we have over 328 million people living in America, three times more. The virus killed basically young adults. It did not reach the adult, the seniors. It did not reach the children. This virus we're facing is reaching the seniors predominantly. Below 70, you have a 99.9% of recovery rate. So we're in World War I. In the midst of it comes this virus. This virus killed 675,000 Americans. If that would be translated today, it would be over 2 million people would be dying from this. But it was on the heels. They were still in World War I. That's an odd number. They don't have a factual number. But they said between 17 million and 100 million people worldwide died with the Spanish flu. So we have World War I, 1914 to the end of 1918. But seven months ahead of that, we have this pandemic that comes in. You imagine living in a time like that? where perhaps you're burying your son or your husband, your father in a war. Perhaps they never came back from World War I and now the pandemic sweeps across America. 675,000 people that have died, but it doesn't stop there. As a result of what was taking place 11 years later in 1929, 1929, we had something called the Great Depression. And the Great Depression lasted for 10 years. We're building something. World War I, four plus years. World War, uh, and then the, the pandemic, where 17 million to 100 million died, 675,000. And then the stock market crash and the Great Depression. I have pictures of the soup lines the donut lines, the coffee lines, the bread lines, where people were just trying to get food and trying to get sustenance for their family. Before that closed down, in 1939, something called the Dust Bowl came right on it. 1934, 1936, 1938, the Dust Bowl affected much of the United States. It was for 10 years the Dust Bowl lasted. Now you think about living in America, World War I, the pandemic, where we had so many die, and then the Great Depression and the, the, the market crash crashed, and now the Dust Bowl for nearly 10 years. And it affected Oklahoma, that was the hardest hit state, and Texas, and Arkansas, and Kansas, and Iowa, and Nebraska, and South Dakota, and Colorado, 3.5 million people left that area and moved predominantly to a place called California, where the land was fertile, and where there was water, and where there was uh, fruit trees, and where there was vegetables to grow in the farms, and there was industry here, and they moved to this area. Wait a minute, are you following it? I'll get to the message, but we had World War I. We had the pandemic. We had the stock market crash. And we had now the Dust Bowl. And farmers were losing $25 million a day. 
back in the 30s. Severe famine took place with the Dust Bowl. When the Dust Bowl was ending, not even ended, came World War II. With World War II, September 1st, 1939, to September the 2nd, 1945, there were 73 million deaths. Are you following this? If you were living in America, if you were living in America at that time, as my grandparents were, you saw World War I. You saw the pandemic in 1918. You saw the stock market crash. You saw the Dust Bowl where people suffered. I have a picture of a woman. She is just in rags of clothes sitting in the dust. Her husband was gone and dead and she had little children huddled up. She was only a young woman, perhaps in her late 20s, early 30s, but she looked like an aged old woman in starvation as skinny as can be. Those little children gathered around her and through the Dust Bowl. And now with the Dust Bowl comes World War II. There were three million fatalities among America, 30 million among America. You think of all this. You know, the children of Israel went to the desert, went to the wilderness for 40 years. I just read to you about six events that took place in 39 years. My grandparents lived through all of that. My parents lived through all of it except for World War I. My dad and mother born in 1923 and 24. My father-in-law and mother-in-law lived through it. But by the way, let me give you another date was still in that 39 years. The war ended and all of a sudden we had a Korean conflict where the North Koreans invaded South Korea. And then during that time, there were three million fatalities with Americans as well. So now we have World War I, the Spanish flu, the Great Depression, the Dust Bowl, World War II, and the Korean War. For 40 years nearly, Americans experienced nothing but discouragement, depression, factories closed, farms closed. Everybody lost somebody with a war in Korea or a war, World War I or World War II or the pandemic. Every family was affected. The Great Depression, every family was affected. Today, if we're not careful, we give up too fast. We quit too fast. Those parents of yours and mine and grandparents, they knew what it was to live in this country and say, we have to conquer this. We have to, we have to bring back uh, America. We have to live on the winning side. We must live victory in Jesus. We have not gone in this generation. We've, had not, we've not had to fight for anything. I know we've had Iraq. I know that in Afghanistan. I'm not taking away anything from that. I know we have, even here, undoubtedly, Vietnam. But our parents, our grandparents did not stop. They did not quit. They were a determined people. 39 years 
of nothing but suffering, 39 years of nothing but discouragement, 39 years of heartache and sorrow. Oh, but the blessing was, God bless my life. I was born right when the war of World War II ended. We were in the Korean conflict. That was it. I've had nothing but really joy and prosperity and basically peace and safety. Those 40 years, they suffered as a result of that. As a boy, I lived in the most wonderful time in human history. Those factories that were building planes and munitions and Rosie the River at Riverter, those were turned back into building cars. And I could take you to almost any vehicle from the 50s. I know the difference between a 1957 and a 51 and a 52 and a 53 and four. They were just taillights difference of 53 and four. I know the colors. I know the engines. We didn't have these 5.0s. We had 260s and 283s and 327s and 350s. And I remember the 383 in the Chrysler products and the 289 in the Fords. Oh, those are great days. And they're producing cars and vehicles in the 50s and the 60s. All over this region and all over America, I could drive you to any city and I could tell you if it was a World War II, post-World War II house. They're all over this place. They're everywhere. You can just tell those were a World War II. And sure enough, they were built in 49 or 50, probably the 50s, up to 57. Over here, the Fineras, you were living over here where Brother Martinez lives. That entire area stamped on the sidewalk, 1957. Oh, it was a great time. Grocery stores were coming to business and cars were being built and airplanes. Our presidents were not even flying by airplanes yet, but now airplanes where there were jet engines were coming in. It was a very exciting time. People were going back to work. People were being successful. Department stores were beginning. Montgomery Wards, Sears and Roebuck, J.C. Penney, Woolworths, they had the five and dime, Ben Franklin stores. They were coming everywhere. What a time to be alive in America. We still had dress standards in public school right here in this area. The cheerleaders had to have dresses down to their knee. My yearbook proves it. We still had, we still believed you had a boy had to get his hair cut and a boy had to look like a man, and a woman, a girl had to look like a woman. They dressed different. What a time. I was born in that time. It was such a great time as I lived in the 50s and the 60s. 1959, my dad was in a 12-story building on the first floor in a hearing aid business. He said, Jack, I was with him at work that summer day, that fall day, I guess actually it was, and he said, Jack, you can spend the day, and I spent the day across the street I went to Eagle Ford. I went to Chase Chevrolet. I went to the Buick dealership. I can remember those 1959 Cadillacs as the wings came up and they looked like spaceships. It was just an amazing thing. I'll tell you what, I lived in a great time. I didn't suffer like my parents had to suffer or my grandparents had to suffer. But my generation's a bunch of quitters. We believe the government's supposed to take care of us. My parents never believed that. My parents never took a dime from the government. My, my, it's quiet right now. We live in a day we think the government, we, we vote for a president who's going to give us the most. I want to vote for a president who wants the most liberty and the most, the most freedom. 
and the most righteousness and the most godliness. I don't want government to provide my health insurance. No, sir, I don't want, they cannot run their offices they're running now. They cannot run the business they're running now. Do you think I want them to run my health? You are crazy. Government should never run an individual's health. We had the story before of the man who had to live through those 40 years in the Bible during the wilderness journey. He was 40 years of age. And after those 40 years, and then waiting some more, he was 85 years of age. But he never lost a determination. I'm speaking to you for these few moments today on this subject, determination. It's found in the book of Joshua in the Bible here 33 times. We are to be a determined people. A determined man decides. You just make a decision. Miss Treber and I came here almost 45 years ago. When I came here, I didn't plan on church hopping. If a church was going to offer me a better package, which they did not, but if they wanted to offer me a better package elsewhere and a better piece of property and a better this or a better that, I made the decision when we came here. I said, I am going to live my life at a place called North Valley Baptist Church. I've seen, seen a lot of people come. But men, if there's ever a day we need some men with determination and stop this nonsense of quitting every day. Stop this nonsense of following people that are disgruntled and people that are upset. I'm talking about worldwide in your church back home. Stop because every church I know have had disgruntled leave the church during the 31 weeks of COVID. Stop following them online. They're disgruntled. And the problem is not that pastor and not that church they left. The problem is themselves because generally they're not right with their father. Stop it. They're bitter at something. I'd stop following a woman that leads a church. I'm talking about all over America and mission fields that get the letters every week. Missionaries are suffering people that are just upset and they've turned inward instead of turning upward. Determination. Today I want you to see with me that he was willing to be rejected of people. Notice a man, a real man of courage and determination. Verse 8 in chapter number 14. The Bible said, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. They made the heart of the people melt. Twelve spies went out. Two spies came back, Joshua and Caleb, and they gave a good report. My prayer is a result of COVID and this election that we can gather some people that will have a determination to rise up and when you reject it of loved ones and family and friends and even church members perhaps and you reject it, by those around you that you say, I am determined, I've made up my mind, I am going to live for God. Here is a man, he was willing to face rejection. Here was a man, secondly, that was willing to remain in the fight, though he was rejected. Look at verse number nine. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine, shall be thine, and thy children's forever. 
He said, I'm just going to stay faithful because I have children coming. Before you ever leave, I'm talking about all over the nation now. I'm talking to every pastor I know that said things are exciting in our church. Things are looking up. God's people are tithing. But we've had people quit church. You can't be out of church 31 year, weeks without letting it affect the church. Day one, if you remember, go back. I said there are going to be casualties. Though our place is packed and they have people out here and other tents out front that don't even see us, but they're watching online. And though we have cars, I can't see around the corner and people sitting everywhere, God bless you. God's doing something. But I'm gonna tell you something, there's always casualty when there's war. There was casualty in World War I, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War. You name the war, there's always casualty. And I'd say today that you're gonna to have to think about, I'm not gonna be a casualty because he said, your children are gonna inherit this place. Caleb was told by God, not only will you inherit it at age 85, but your children and your children's children and your children's children. I read an article this week. A woman by the name of Hillary Clinton wrote this this week and spoke at a church event and the church agreed. She said the problem in America is Christianity. The rules are too rigid. Things are too hard. The millennials are leaving. Well, friend, let me tell you something, Hillary Clinton, you're wrong. This nation needs Jesus Christ. If there was ever a time a country needed God, it's today. We don't need more politicians. We don't need more government programs. We don't need to, as our uh, senator in this, this state introduced this last week, to open up places with a bill that will give injections to people so they can get their drugs safely by the government. That is a foolish lawmaker right there. We don't need the lawmaker who also introduced that you can have immorality with children and it's not as big of a crime as it used to be. It is still wicked. You say, well, the politicians said we need to get rid of these jails. Oh no. You do the crime, you do the time, absolutely. I'm talking about the fact, I'm talking about the fact he was rejected, but don't reject it, he remained. I'm not gonna quit, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, lose the battle, I'm staying in. Notice thirdly, he was willing to live a righteous life in the midst of a rebelous, uh, uh, rebel people. Look at chapter, uh, chapter number 14, verse number nine. Brother Bertram alluded to this, verse, a lot of part of the verse, verse nine. Because thou hast followed, wholly followed the Lord my God. Look at verse 14, the latter part. Because he wholly followed the Lord of Israel. May I remind you that in that day, for those 40 years, those people murmured, they griped, they complained, they did not like the manna, they did not like the quail, they did not like the journey. They were murmuring against the leader. They were murmuring against God. They longed to go back to Egypt. Oh, would to go, God, we'd go back before I ever got saved when I had more, oh, shame on you. And here he was amongst all those, those rebels and he said, I want to know something. I'm gonna wholly follow God. I'm gonna wholly follow God, whether my mate does, whether my children do, will do that, 
whether my grandkids do it, whether my church does it, whether the nation does it, whether the city does it, I, by the grace of God, what ought to be our command, our plan, determination, I am going to wholly follow after God. I find there was rejection. I find he remained faithful. I, I find that he was willing to live righteous. And I want to close and say in verse 10, that he is willing to stay resolved. Now, behold, the Lord hath kept me. He always acknowledged it was God that did it. The Lord hath kept me alive these 40 and five years. And I am this day fourscore and five years. And as I am as strong this day as I was in the day of Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so my strength is now for war. You know, as you get older in life, and I can tell you this for a fact, you either get weaker or you get stronger. I'm talking about either, even physically. Well, I'm getting old now. I just got to go sit on the, t on, the, on the couch and watch TV. I just got to lay around. You know, I can't work like I used to. Don't ever say that. This guy's 85 years of age. And he said, I'm as strong today as I was back then. Stop thinking like, well, you know what? I'm 55. I'm getting old. I better think about stopping in life. No, you keep pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. He was willing to say, I'm resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. My word this morning was determined. I'm determined by God's grace. When people quit on God, I'm determined I don't want to quit on God. I'm determined that when people quit on church, I'm determined to keep going to church. I'm determined today when people betray us and hurt us and discourage us and they throw their lives away as a result of adversity, I am determined. Paul said this in Acts chapter number 20, but none of these things move me. What was he talking about? He was talking about prison and death. None of these things move me. Neither can I my life dear unto myself so that it might finish my course with joy. I want to finish my course with joy as a happy camper, not as an old grump on the pathway of life. I love what the Bible says, our college verse in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let's get some determination. Let's make some decisions. Let's make a decision. I will not quit. I stay resolved. I'll stay righteous. I'll stay in the midst of rejection. I'm going to stay true to God. Caleb said, I'm as strong today as I was then. When I was in seventh grade, a song came out. I believe Audrey Meyer wrote it in Los Angeles. We began to sing it. We sing it once in a while in high school chapel. We use our hands with it. I am determined, I've made up my mind. I'll serve the Lord. I left the world and its treasures behind. I'll serve the Lord. I'll follow wherever he leads me. I'll serve him wherever he needs me. I am determined, I've made up my mind. I'll serve the Lord. You know, I think of those 39 years and about three months in America's history. From 1913, 14, 1914, about 1953, 
more than ever, and I know that's got to be written in the book somewhere, but I've studied so much during COVID on that period of time in America. I'm, I'm, I'm captured with it. I'm captured with World War II in the last couple of years. The resilience of these people, the poverty of the Great Depression, the poverty of the Dust Bowl, the death as a result of the pandemic in 1918, with World War I still going on, followed immediately by the Dust Bowl, followed immediately with the World War II, followed immediately by the Korean conflict. Something about those parents, and something about that generation. I pastor some of those people you were born in the late 30s. We even have members in the late 20s and in the 30s, mid-30s, late 30s. I, I honor you people. You know something about this. You were born and had the after effects of some of these battles. You were born when there was a World War II and involved in that. You were around when there was a Dust Bowl. There was a Great Depression. Somehow you're in church today. Would you get determined? One day this old body's going to give out. The Lord tarries in his coming. One day, like me, all of us will draw, draw our last breath. I still want to be going to church. I, I may not be able to pastor one day. Perhaps my health will break. I still want to go to church. I still want to serve God. I don't plan to just sit on an old couch and die away. That's how Caleb was, determined. I'm pleading with you today. I'm pleading with you today. Will you make a decision on this October 11th, 2020? I'm going to live a determined life. Those people before me could live for 40 years in suffering in this country. So can I. Let's bow for prayer, please. Our Father, it's amazing how that you laid it on my heart during all this COVID to study these great events. And Lord, as I studied it and then began to put it together in my mind, the dates and the timeline, it was amazing that one never finished, but the other battle was coming. Just amazing to see how World War I was still going on the pandemic came. And with the pandemic, then came the stock market crash right on top of it for 10 years. And then immediately came the Dust Bowl during the midst of the stock market. And then came during the midst of that World War II and then came every other event to follow. I pray that we'd be a determined people. I pray as Christians we determined to live our lives for Christ, to be good husbands, good fathers, good wives, good mothers, good children, good students, great Americans. May we find ourselves not giving in and giving over and quitting May we live for thee is my prayer. 
I pray your blessing upon the church. Lord, as we're out in this parking lot on this beautiful, beautiful fall day, we praise thee. I praise thee that, Lord, I pastor such a determined people. I know you're in your car and our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Our, you're in these tents, our open air. You're in a tent I can't even see out over here as well. But I'm looking today for people in the tents and in the open air in a moment to lift their hand or lift their Bible in just a moment. When I ask you if you could say, I, I'm making a decision today. I'm going to be determined to live for God a lifetime. And I wonder if in those cars and vehicles, you would be really willing in a moment to just flash your lights and say, on this morning, October the 11th, if my forefathers could make it through 40 hard years, I don't know what the years ahead of me are, but I want to make it through living for God and not being a complainer and a murmurer and a crankcase and upset. You know, in those 50s and 40s and 40s and 50s particularly, churches began to explode and all great churches began to be raised up all over the country. In the tents, in the open air with a raised Bible or a raised hand, in the vehicles with the flashlight, of the, the lights flashing, you say, I'm making a determination today. I'm going to determine to live for God a lifetime. Would you witness that right now? Would you flash the lights? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Over these sections, hands everywhere. Back over there. God bless you. See hands going up. Live for God a lifetime. This election could mean that it's going to get very difficult for Christians. I was so disappointed with the answers of every single person in the town hall. One believed that by now churches should be open. But one by one they said, follow the science. How about following the scriptures? How about following the Bible? Science says keep the churches closed. The pandemic that gave 675,000 deaths with 103 million population would be the same as 2 million. During the Spanish flu in America, they never one time closed the church. Not one time. They left the church open. They knew the church was essential. Father, bless these great church members and visitors. I believe that you're building right now a great generation. I believe this generation will be looked at by children and grandchildren. If you tarry and we get off the scene that my grandpa, my grandma, my papa, my nana, they stood for Christ. They were out of their church for 31 weeks, but they paid a price that we might have freedom. God, regardless what happens with the election, we need more Christians to live for thee, whether it's godless election. I don't know what it will be, but we, we see the church is more essential whatever happens in November. Give us a good afternoon and safety to our homes, we pray. And I pray that it would be a great service tonight in Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.